G'day, Jonesy here. Welcome to Power Up Your Business Podcast. On this episode, we speak to Mick Slatter. Going home the day that you've been told that you could potentially lose your house is probably, it's one of, it's not the worst time, but it's definitely one of those times that, you know, I liken to getting hit in the face with a brick. Hear more from Mick, where he shares his story transitioning from the depths of despair while operating his tradie business to now educating and teaching tradies how to reduce risk in their business. Today's episode is brought to you by The Cube Software Platform, assisting business owners how to plan, market, and improve their financial decision-making. To find out more about The Cube, go to www.thecube.network and click Request a Demonstration Now. Here to change your life because there's too much on the line. You're sacrificing shitload now, and your family need to benefit. You got to make learning a passion for yourself. The clicker for me, come to realise that hey, I've got to get better at business. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Power Up Your Business podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Jones, and I'm here with my co-host, Craig Bush-Markham. Good morning. How are you, Jonesy? Good, thanks, Bush. And great to have Michael Slatter in the studio today. Brings a wealth of business experience, a colourful story of both highs and lows. Currently, Michael manages an engineering firm and business services operation across Asia Pacific. Sydney office has 80 staff. Michael also provides adult education and lecturing plumbers at TAFE relating to mentoring, as well as how to get their best out of their business and also contract administration. And Michael has a passion for assisting other tradies to be successful in life. Michael's got a great story operating and struggling a sole trader plumbing business. Like a lot of the listeners, gone through the struggles, the highs and lows of operating a business by themselves, and then went into a failed partnership operation with another business owner who was an alcoholic. And that led to a bit of the depths of depression and frustration. And we see a lot of it from a business owner perspective where you start a business hoping for it to be all good, fairy tale ending, but often ends in that depression mode. And obviously keen to really dig into that, Michael, shortly, but through that depression really had to look internally, seeked out professional help, seeked out the right support, and then really found a calling in life. And that's really led you onto this journey. Welcome, Michael. G'day. Good morning. Good afternoon. Thank Come you. I, th- I think the podcast is done, actually. I think you've just covered everything that it, uh, that we were going to talk about. It's his biggest intro to date, so you should be proud of that, mate. Yeah, it's I'm, a great I'm story. I'm feeling pumped. I'm feeling pumped up. Oh, it's a great story. It and is. Jonesy and I talked about it. It's, this needs to be told, and, and it's inspirational as well. So the, the whole principle and the outcome of what we want to do with this podcast is to actually provide inspirational stories. Yeah. Is that for business owners out there, for tradies out there listening, it's not always about just opening a business and having success. There is a lot of highs and lows and your testament to you know rebounding from a low and yeah. really going for that self-searching, what am I about? Yeah, sure, sure. And I, I think that's something you don't sort of set out with the intent. I think it just sort of it just sort of grows. You get times in your life where things are hard and that's probably when your focus is at its best and then you get times in your life when everything's singing along nicely and you're not looking forward because you think, well, everything's everything's great. And yeah, as, as we'll break down, parts of the story are great and parts of the story are you know, not so great, but it delivered me to where I am, which is where I'm happy to be. And at that starting point, how old were you when you started your first plumbing business as a sole trader? So as a sole trader, so I started, I did my apprenticeship, I did a bit of commercial stuff, went through trade, and then I started my business. My first 
sort of introduction to business was in a partnership. It seemed like the safety of a partnership was was a good way to go. Safety yeah. in numbers? Yeah, exactly right. And there was a bit of a yin and yang thing, a good cop, bad cop thing. So I, I had a, a you know, pretty pretty good uh, sort of attention to detail with people and relationships and, and, and my partner was was very, very good at getting things done. And that's, you know, on, on paper, looked like a good thing to forge forward with. So that started, oh, gee, time will probably evade me a little bit, but let's say between the 99 to 2001, around that, around that period, yeah. And how long did you end up operating for? Uh, operated in that in that partnership for around four years. Yeah, okay. Um, and that was that was a hard four years. Uh, a lot of stuff going on, which some well, you know, some will hold in. Other other parts, you know, there was there was a lot of things that crossed the boundary between friendship and professionality. And mm. looking back, it was a good time for me to to look and try and assess those professional relationships that I was I was putting myself in front of and. You know, obviously, you mentioned in the intro there there was there was some alcoholism, which you know, which was definitely the case, and and that was probably the thing that sort of drove that yep. to a to a finish in the end. And then, with the end in mind now, with the well, I suppose with the business, when it come to that failing, you mentioned to me before we got online, is that you didn't realise you were going broke until the day that you were tapped on the shoulder and said you are broke. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And talking about the market smacking you in the face and business smacking you in the face, mm. in reality. Mm. What happened post that once they come to the rally that, hey, this business has failed and we've got to move on? Yeah, right. Well, I, I, I guess there was um, an aspect of just, oh, I think, just despondency and disbelief. You, you kind of never think of yourself as a failure. Mm. And I think um, the industry's changed a little bit now, and, and, but I look back on the time of the industry and times were good. Things were going well in the industry. And if we were doing everything we could to look forward in the industry, I, I reckon the the changes may have been different. There was a lot of other influences, but the industry was in our favour and that was probably what the biggest surprise was. But um, Well, that was pre-Olympics, wasn't it? Around that Olympic period, yeah, there was a lot of investment. It was, it was booming. I mean, some compare it to times we're actually having now in the industry. But yeah, but that's, that's a reality. Started. This is the thing where we want to try and, especially with our listeners, especially those organisations just starting now, just because the economy's booming doesn't mean you're going to be booming. Yeah, and that's that's a big realisation and, and I think that's all our own sort of professional responsibility to understand that. And, you know, when you're young and you, you sort of want to be your own boss and, you know, you sort of try – it depends on how you open that business, what frame of mind you're going into it with. If, you, if you're opening it to escape because you want to be your own boss, that doesn't mean necessarily you're focusing on the right things to make that business successful. And, mm. you know, that was definitely the case for myself and, and my partner at the time. So to answer your question, which I'm, I was dancing around a bit, going home the day that you've been told that you could potentially lose your house is probably – it's one of. It's not the worst time, but it's definitely one of those times that, you know, I liken to getting – hit in the face with a brick it really is hard and to to look at you know we were sort of trying to have kids at the time and thinking about the future and things like that it puts everything into question it puts a cloud over everything and it's not just a case of calling your suppliers who you've known for 15 years or, or however long and, and saying look you know I'm, I'm hard out you know I can't pay you um, you know but born of that came a lot of a lot of really good things I, I came to know the friendships that I was leaning on, what was a real friendship? Yep. You know, some people scarpered for the trees, some people got angry. The mates that loved me were, were the ones that were really critical. I mean, one, if I indulge that for a sec, one story that I did drag out of it, which is a shining light moving forward, was I remember one of the nights that I was trying to finish off one of the jobs in a vague attempt to try and salvage something, all pride on the line. 
And I rang a mate of mine at about three in the morning. I was working down at a – we were doing some relocation of some cabins at a, at a local caravan park, so picking them up because I was a crane driver as well. And we were picking them up and relocating them on these pads and then plumbing them up. And, and I thought, look, if I get this done, these people don't find out that, we, that we're bankrupt. Maybe we can get some get some cash and try and keep, make, make good on – Keep moving. Yeah, well, some of the people that had worked hard because they had families too, right? Yeah. Well, I did that and then at three in the morning I went to the ATM just in a haze and, and, and I put my card in gone and i was like shit this is real and i had some fuel left in the car and i was like shit, what am i gonna do and uh i rang a mate of mine he was actually my wife's best friend's husband and i didn't know him that well but it was the only sort of person i could even think of to call don't know why he just sort of struck me as a as a stand-up fella and i rang him and i said look you know richard i'm on the skid of my pants and i, and I need your help and he's like yeah yeah right okay um he said look i'm i'm in bed the, the, the wife's in bed Come up, and we'll you know we'll we'll put some food out for you and, and a stubby, and you know you'll be you'll be apples, you know you'll be right. And when I got to his house, sure enough, that's what was there, and he didn't come out, and he didn't maybe pam me, he didn't bullshit me. He just said, you know what, this is it, this is it, it's a reality, and, I, and I'm here for you. And yep. that that to me, like now he's my he's one of my best mates, and and he will be forever and a long time because he's one of those blokes that just stands beside you whether stuff's good or bad. Yeah, and so it was kind of in in amongst all the bad stuff, there was some good stuff too. I think that's the key there. Where a lot of people, if it's things aren't going right, mm. they'll look on it as, oh, okay, what do I do now? Or mm. I've got nowhere to turn, or I am a failure. But I'm definitely of the belief when you're going through those tough periods, you are growing as an individual. Yeah. You're eyeballing things in terms of, okay, what do I need to do? Who's on my team? Who can I trust? Yeah, because I've got a family to mm. look after. I've got people I've put my promise out to and I need to deliver. Mm. So for you going through that at a critical point in your life, you know, you're trying to have a family, you're trying to look forward long term and then all of a sudden you've got no money in the bank, that then led to obviously depression? Yeah, well, that was that was probably the first, um, the first time but I didn't know it was depression at the time. So I think... And a lot of listeners are probably didn't call didn't call it depression on the job oh, side. Just yeah, call it no. toughen yeah. the fuck up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just to just can of concrete get on with it, you know. Yeah. And and you kind of I was young enough then just to lose myself in drugs, alcohol, you know, whatever was coming along. And there was plenty of work around, so you know it was a case of closing up and just going back to the grindstone on commercial developments and stuff, which you know paid the bills and sort of progressed. And then we sort of moved through from there. But yeah, it's kind of I didn't really understand how I was feeling at the time. I had no no self awareness. You know, it's very different today. Um, I'd be able to put a name on it, dissect it, paint it a colour, and tell you a story about it. But then the awareness was just definitely not there. So that was, I would say, only retrospectively, that was the first time I experienced depression. And then that catalyst was really then, I think, seeking or finding or coming across it a coach, a mentor that really started helping you and flicking over to Bush from a coaching perspective and the importance of having the right team on board. You can obviously relate in terms of you know, getting the, the right advice at the right time and someone that really actually cares for you to you know guide you yeah i, I haven't jumped in i love the story and i mm. love hearing it from you it's mm. you know we've got the bullet points you and jonesy know each other well what i love about this show is it it speaks to everyone and parts of what you've talked about you've gone through a whole jigsaw puzzle of things some plumber electrician carpenter or tradie is going to go shit i resonate with that mm. and actually have the power to speak up and and you're right until you get help i, I was the same with jonesy's my first business coach, real one, the other one had all the 
pencil case full of colours and we did the diary thing. It was amazing. She's the painting I did. But um, when was, Matt, it, was it a finger painting? Yeah, it was pretty good. When Matt came in and taught me, and I said this last night about Jonesy, that a GP wasn't a motor race in Adelaide, you start to understand where you're at. And when he says fish stinks at the head and you start to go, hang on, because as you know, you give yourself all sorts of excuses. And I love how you said I didn't realise it was depression at the time. Now it is and it's labelled. Mm. And I love the old toughen the fuck up mentality. We're not any less tough. We're just more aware, I think, because you can't take the toughness away. And we're better educated. And for the guys that listen to the – this is so far my favourite podcast because this is real. Mm. This is happening right throughout Australia. People are struggling. So the Power Up Your Business podcast is giving power through your experience, Mm. through your expertise. These guys have got an avenue. They've got to talk. They've got to get out. And they've got to get a coach or they've got to do better or they've got to start – by getting up the Power Up Your Trading Business yeah. book. It's a blueprint for success, but you know what it is? It's a blueprint to ensure yourself that, okay, it's okay to have problems and you can get out of them. That's what I like. The key thing that I'm passionate about is building that community mm. is if we can have like-minded people in the community where, hey, I, I need, whether it be contract admin, whether it be legal, whether it be bookkeeping, we've got a trusted circle here and that we're in it for the long game. We're not out for that win-loss where you yeah, will take your money now. It's just like we want to see you succeed. Our passion is to be with business owners on their journey, like your journey. You've had a lot of ups and downs. And we want to be able to support and provide people advice when, hey, when they're down, it's okay. It's cool. Don't worry about it. It's learning. You're actually, you don't realize it right now, but you are learning. You are getting better okay, at what you're doing and you will respond and rebound from this. And that's the key. And I'm keen to now... In terms of getting into where you are now, because I love what you do in, in contract admin. I love how you're now you know, lecturing at TAFE, assisting other tradies coming through, guiding them and mentoring them. Coming from you know, through that exec coaching, through that self-awareness process and now into fulfilling your calling, tell us a bit about that now and what you're doing, I suppose, at the coalface and some stories potentially of how you've assisted some tradies. And can we just, sorry, Jack, you've done such a good job pre-framing where you've come from and it's incredible to think where you are now from where you were. Mm. If you can just start by giving our listeners a bit of the journey along the way. I know you're a bullet point man, which is cool, because that's impressive. Where's the turnaround point? Did it start with your mate, the ex-army Chris, that just kicked your ass? Where was it and where does it take you to? There's one, there's one key point that I've pinned most of what I've done in the last five years, and that was just a point in my life where things changed. I, I had a job and I thought it was everything that I wanted. It was I'd oversold my own self to it. It was into a, a consultancy role. And I, I firmly believe in biting off more than you can chew. This time I was really hit from the side because I thought I was doing a great job. I had one of my one of the guys that I actually did some time as an apprentice with. I worked at the company he was at, and he was like my connection into this business and into this new life, or what I thought. And long story short, we went through a lot of different things, and then uh, he actually sat me down. Who I was always his senior in life, and he actually sat me down, and they and they released me from my my position at that company. And so you got a tap on the shoulder. I got a tap on the shoulder, and and I got sat down, and here's your cardboard box. See you later. And you know, on the way out from that business, um, I had the the, the M- at the time was walking in as I was walking out. He's going, where, where are you going there? I was like, oh, you, didn't you know he just punted me? And he's like, I had no idea. And then that kind of started me thinking, well, what's going on here? Like, long Why short, were you punted me? Uh, do you think? I, I think? I think I was injected into a role where I had to do a lot of litigation reporting, which consequently is what I do now for a job, ironically. But I didn't have report writing experience because I was a tradie. I knew my staff, but putting it on paper was really bloody hard 
And even as it would be to some of the tradies listening, like writing an email to a consultant can seem somewhat intimidating. And, and it is intimidating because you don't know. And it really can pull your pants down if you, <laughs> if you write it wrong. And it can be inferred and, you know, interpretation. And it's a heavy weight to bear when you're not trained in doing it. And mm. if you haven't spent time in a classroom doing a degree, writing about communication skills, mate, you've got no chance. So anyway, I dropped the ball massively. And I don't, I don't I, I, you know, there, there was probably conjecture there. We could argue about it. What am I going to get, you know, 12 weeks as a maximum if I appeal it? So I just went quietly and went, right, what's next? And so that, I think it was about two nights after that, I was at home. I was, that that time I definitely can absolutely say I was depressed. Yeah. And that to me was was exemplified by a blue my wife really hard and, and, and she's my princess and I, I wouldn't do anything to hurt her and that really hurt me. Mm. And I, you know, I, I got in my ute and I drove down to the local oval and I opened weirdly. I went over those big, you know, those big rocks they have on, uh, sorry, the big uh, logs they have that protect the cricket pitches and all that. I got my Nissan Navara up over that somehow, drove out into the into the oval on a concrete cricket pitch, I opened all the, all the doors to the ute, I folded the seats back and I just lay there and I wanted to kill myself. And that was because I just epically failed. And off the back of having a failed business, my new, my new sort of venture was doing this, I couldn't do that. And then I was like, holy oh, shit. What's going on here? And I rang, I rang, strangely enough, I rang the same mate. <laughs> he, he, I don't know why he keeps picking up my pieces, but he's still around. So I rang a few people and then just by fate, that's when, that's when Chris Whitewick from MindKit came and, you know, we sort of crossed paths and I had a chat with him and, and he, he kicked my ass into a, into a new, a new sort of realm. And it was then, that was the catalyst for me saying, right, I can either drop to my knees here or I can start to take this shit seriously. And people will keep taking unless I start taking back. Yeah. And that was when I decided there's people out there that have exactly the same experiences as me. And if I tight lip it and I don't provide bullet points to, to people that are powerful and are truthful, like I could tell you I'm a great success. I, I manage this many people. I do this. I've come through this. If I don't tell you the rubbish that happened, it loses all its power, and yeah. and I think in our industry we we tend to hide our emotion a lot, and we don't call things as they are. Yeah, and I mean from the snippets that I've read of the Power Up Your Business book, you know, just flicking through the business bible. Yeah, the business bible. That's right. I see that that's sort of capturing that reality, and it, and it's it's giving people stuff that they don't know, but they're not supposed to know. Yeah. And I think tradies get to a point in their lives where they've spent 20 years in an industry and they feel embarrassed because they're supposed to know this stuff. Yeah. Well, newsflash, no one's supposed to know anything. If you haven't been through it, then you don't know it. If no one's teaching you, yeah. how are you supposed to know it? Matt and I agree on, on tra- anyone that goes into business for himself, I call him a soldier mm. because they're going into battle. Yeah, I agree. And they battle with themselves. They battle with what they know. They battle with their ego. They battle with pride. They battle with their customers, their expertise. And then they start battling with their mates who they thought it was a good idea mm. to go into it. I'm a classic example, you know. One day, James will interview me, you know, when I get successful. That's going to be a long podcast, that one. Will be. But what I love is, you know, you've come in today and you've pretty much got business naked and that's what resonates with our tradies because we're going to talk about how you got a success point, but you have hooked me and everyone, and including our producers here, into, wow, what happened next? Because mm. it's a great story and that's what we're talking about. It's just another story in a, of an Australian tradie who's come through the other side and now I'm looking forward to getting to that. That's it. The whole thing about this podcast, it is about honesty mm. and as you mentioned, it's about the bare bones and it is, it's the reality and people need to understand the reality and it sort of comes back to 
think you mentioned you know your business coach there or the exact coach there sort of shook you around and got you thinking differently and it is around that mindset where we want people to know it's not about just continuing doing more of the same that's not going to change things you've got to think differently you've got to make sure hey who's around you have you got the right support network are you doing the right things long term because ultimately as a business owner whatever decision you're making today will affect your family it's going to affect your kids it's going to affect your future lifestyle and it's not just about saying yes to jobs that in mind coming back into a now and and loving your work, what you're doing now in terms of workshops, you, you're talking to people, you're talking to 20, 30 tradies in a room, you're really inspiring them at the moment. What are some of the things you're looking for at the moment where, you know, again, you're capturing some of the things, that the information that you're sharing, part of your story, what's really resonating with your tradies that you're talking to? And more importantly, how's that then converting to success or a change in, in their behaviours? Sure. I think um, it's, it's a good question. I, I think the biggest thing I'm finding at the moment with trades is there's an indelible fear amongst tradies when they when they step into a, a contract realm, when they start to look at the paperwork, when they start to sign the the GC twenty ones, or they start to sign these these things up. Because there's always a powerful word in our industry called variation, and variation is is like a, a swing and a roundabout. It always comes back around the other way, and I've seen that break people with one email and you know and I've been on the receiving end of that and 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 it's to try and break down that the power that that contracts have has been one of the most powerful things and it it's through same thing just through a, a conversation driven by integrity and information and it's and it's about empowering the tradesmen that we see to to have a respectful communication with people there's often they can be educated yeah, well, they can be educated, but also it, it gives them an awareness perspective as well that there are two sides to a contract. And it's not always just because someone accuses one of missing something or doing something incorrect. That doesn't necessarily make it so. And that's where I advocate for people to interrogate these things, but interrogate them without the emotion. As tradies, we often hit things. Someone writes a, a, an email and we go, Shoot from the hip. Yeah, in consultant. And that's where I did a lot of hard work with Chris in, in trying to define the difference between reacting and responding and the awareness that I've got around reaction and respond. If I get an email and someone's written it and they're mega pissed at me because I've made a wrong call. Who would be writing that email to well, you say, right let's, now? Let's say in my current role, um, and the shoe's been on the other foot, so hopefully I don't let's lose just the do, list we'll, this year. Yeah. We'll do a, so you run us through a sort of real life scenario. Yeah, a little case study. Okay, so case study. I'll, I'll change the terminology a little bit. And the names. But, um, yeah, and the and, and and the names. Bob and Bill become yeah. Harry and Jack. So <laughs> yeah, right. So so Harry writes me an email because I've just uh, Harry's the plumber. I've just written a, a let's call it a defects report. I don't issue defects reports. I issue something different, a side investigation report or a commentary report. I've brought up a problem that's in there, and Harry's chipped me on. He said, "I don't believe that's a true interpretation." Now I've got a choice as the plumber now emailing me, he's he's quite agitated. Obviously, it's going to cost him fifteen grand to fix it. I'd be pretty I'd be pretty pissed too. So, with a level of understanding, I've got a choice in my communication on how I write back to him. And that is, if I've already done that, which you know, it, it's hard because I'll usually point out if I'm going to bring something up in a report, I'll bring it up to a tradie face to face first, um, and then see what the story is behind it. But what I would do instead of giving him a directive and telling him what my interpretation is. I'll ask, I'll ask him to elaborate what his interpretation is and how he draws it and try and find the fabric of what he's actually saying. And is there context here where you instructed? I don't know because one line on a report to make someone lose, you know, 15, 20 grand is not fair. 
And a lot of companies that I'm associated with, I, I see that happening a lot. And, and I think that all that does is drive a wedge in. But if we educate people in communication skills and responding to these things, not reacting. If I react, yeah. I tell you you're a dick and shut up. And here's my interpretation and I'm right, pay your bills. If I'm responding, I'm saying, look, Harry, look, I understand that there's a bit on the line here. How about I come over, we, we grab a bite of lunch or something and, and we'll, we'll settle down. Now, that framework doesn't always fit everyone because not everyone's got time to grab a coffee because we're all busy making money. But what it does do is show him that I'm willing to talk about it. I'm not, I'm not going to hold a hard line here. But if you're wrong, you're wrong, mate. And that's mm. as simple as it is. But th- we're both at the table for a reason because we're both very good at what we do. So let's have a chat. Michael, the conspiracy theorists out there would say that some companies deliberately do it. And in your experience, you know, you, you get these contracts and they try, they get to the end and finance is an important thing and completion's important and deadlines and penalties and all the buzzwords that go and variations, all those shocking words that send shivers down tradie spines. Is there companies out there that actually use this as a tool to reduce costs? I don't believe so. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a, mal- a, a malicious intent in, in, in any company. I mean, and it'd be hard for you to confirm and prove yep. otherwise. But what, what I do know is there are people with a, a very, very keen acumen for, for contracts admin. And I think where the variants come from, I mean, and if we're honest about it, I mean, you can interrogate a contract as a tradie. And you can manipulate that to be to your best means as well. Yeah. I mean, if you if you were to get you know if you were to get a tender and see holes in it, which I've been a part of, you submit your tender and then you you know you say, oh, I know there's a variant on that, and then I'll submit. Yeah. And then next day you issue your variant. So it's a two way street. And often I think often a, a tradesman, and and again I say that from the position of being one, often a tradesman will often think people are out to get them. I just and, wanted you to say that yeah. because power up your business and the way Matt coaches, and I've seen Matt do many presentations at Reese and he's worked with our teams and stuff. What I love about what the book says and what you're talking about, our default mechanism is blame yeah, or absolutely. defense. Mm. No one actually sits in. I studied you know, with a man in Texas, Keith Cunningham's a business genius and hugely successful, and he says guts and glands don't help mm. unless you're on a footy field. And it's one minute to go because that's all you're left with. But if you make educated decisions, which the Power Up Your Trading Business book is trying to teach people to do, you've just reinforced and re-endorsed it. So where do they take those steps? Say a a young trader's listening to this and he he gets a variance or he looks at his contract, he thinks, I heard this podcast, where do I go? Besides Matt Jones, 043. (laughs) (laughs) But one thing there I like how Mick frames it too is beware – putting your head in the noose before you sign a contract. It's both sides though. It is both sides. But from a trading perspective, again, we don't – a bit fearful of the numbers, contracts. Yeah. Um, A bit daunting. Overall, sometimes you say, oh, look, the contract will be fine because they look at the job and this is a big job and this job's going to set me up for life and, baby, we're away. I can see the penthouse. But, hey, let's come back to reality. Beware of what you're putting in terms of around your neck potentially. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think – I mean, most contracts have to have a framework that's that's based on fairness and, and, and equity. Yes. Um, they'll soon, and I've seen it happen through through my current position. I've seen contracts get completely red line from because they're they're just nonsensical and they're completely unfair. Yep. So when when we enter into a contract, and I speak personally, when I into enter into a contract, if it's if it's for a plumbing job, if it's for life insurance, I like to read it. I like to know. 
well, for one, I don't believe insurance companies are designed to pay, but that's probably another podcast. But I look for the things that are going to be of interest. So when I when I grab a specification, I'll look at the things like authority connections. They're always the thing that are going to blow my mind. I look at that's a big risk to my to my bottom end. I look at the inclusions. I look at the PC. I look at the the items, the provisional sums that are excluded. I look at the big picture items, the finite things I can justify. If I miss five hundred TMVs on one job. Well, mate, I've got no one to butt heads with but myself because mm. I didn't read the docs. And, you know, you can't plead ignorance to a document and be proven wrong time and time again and, and say, oh, I didn't know, I didn't know, I didn't know. But on the flip side of that, you can, all standards, all NCC is, is interpretation for the most part. So that, it, because it's an interpretive document, we have to communicate to interpret. So it's kind of what I encourage in, in the lectures that I do is everyone, again, has got a seat at the table for the right reasons yeah. and we need to ask smart questions. And further to, you, to, the, to the question, who do we call? Look, I think it's about growing your network in the industry of people that you trust mm. and not listening to the fluff and sort of saying, you know, I don't pretend to know everything, but I definitely believe that any problem that I have, I've got someone in my network that I know who to call. Yeah. And, you know, and, and it's the confidence in that. And for the young guys listening, I would encourage them to next time a consultant comes out and you get a report, just ring them up. Yep. Say, look, I've got this report. Can you just – Can you? is there a chance next time you're out, can we sit down and go through it? That's say, a great point, mate. Say good day to the bloke. Like, because I've Fantastic. worked I've worked with consultants before. That, mate, they're some of, some of the best guys I've known. You know, and, and I can say the same for traders. I've still got tradie mates that I know. We're not different, but apparently there's this, I don't know, there's some identity that's present in the industry that no one knows where it came from, that someone's better than someone or someone's not better than someone. So we all need to adjust our paradigms on how we think and then maybe we'll get a collaborative approach to these things and stop everyone bickering and bickering and moaning. I I love that and I love what you mentioned about how you respond as opposed to react and Mm. I think that's that. That's critical. And and that communication and too many people as a tradie, you got a lot of things on, you will get, bit of correspondence there that you don't like and you can react poorly, you can then you know, verbatim throw out things that you wish you didn't say, which can impact you for the next 20 years because you've put people off site. This is the whole thing right. about we're playing a long game here. And, and it we're doesn't playing mean, a serious game, Matt, too. And it's a serious it's game. You know, sport, tradies love sport. And the analogy here that I think of in, in rugby league, we love it. If you see a player give away penalties or, or drop balls because of stupid things or throw a ball at someone's head and they get penalised, and that loses you the game, and we've all seen it. And then argue with the referee. And then argue with the referee. That's what happens. And you're talking about that in the plumbing game. And I think the, the message that I get, and I love this, is if you go down the coach path, not the blame path, then you're going to win. Either that's seeking a coach, be more coach-like, as Silky's taught me this week with a great podcast, or before you respond, bounce it off someone who's actually – absolutely impartial and is going to give you the great advice to say, mate, that, and I've, we've all done it, do you think I should send that? And you Boy. go, mate, do not send that. And that's the thing, like awareness is about getting getting the gap, I call it. It's the work I do with Chris, the work I do with an osteo, the work I do with a biomed GP, and a work I do with a psychiatrist. So there's four critical people in my life that need to keep that balance for me. And I'm not saying that's everyone. I'm not saying everyone needs Five. to go. Don't forget the princess. <laughs> yeah, well, true, yeah, well, true. But <laughs> it's critical. Thanks for that. You just saved me. That's the number one. Yeah, that's the number one, actually. Yeah, I, I did say that. Well, before, you just saved yourself. Before we recorded, yeah. I said that, didn't I? <laughs> you did. It's in, it's in your bullet points. Yeah, that, thanks. Yeah. And, you love um, it more than ever. <laughs> yeah, and the essay you wrote and the tattoo you wrote. It's all good. Thanks. Yeah, good. good. <laughs> that's good. We're painting a good picture. So it's about getting that gap. So the difference between response and reaction is a gap. 
and that means that you have time to think. So like, like you rightfully said, it's bouncing it off a colleague or something like that. But more to that point, not that you're burning incense and, and saying a mantra, but you're, you're just conscious. You're and thinking. You, you're thinking. And, and so often the construction industry allows us to be who we are. I remember, um, someone came to site once and, and I had a massive stand up spat with him in an office. It was a courier dropping, dropping plans. And he was just frustrated because he couldn't find the site off. It was perfectly reasonable, but don't shout at me about it, mate. Don't shoot the messenger. Yeah, exactly. And it, and it was, um, yeah, we had this massive slinger match. But then fast forward 15 years and I'm in an office, you'd never see that happening because there's a certain level of leniency in the construction game that allows you to be free with your emotions. And that's a good thing. And it's not that we all have to hold stuff in. We just have to channel it in the right ways. And getting that gap, you can only get that gap when you start to become self-aware when you start to understand what is my stress response we do we do a role play in one of the one of the classes that i do and i bring each person up and i sit them on a chair in front already straight away they're uncomfortable yeah they'd be love they'd be oh, love mate, the they hate it they hate it but the thing is when i reflect on every semester that is the thing that constantly comes up in the feedback i really love the role play because it put me in a position where I was uncomfortable and I was monitoring my stress response. You go around the class and you say, what's your stress response, do you think? Some people are aware of it, some people aren't. But surprisingly, you know, 50% are probably aware of it. You know, for me, it's like my chest gets tingly, my hands get a bit sweaty, you know, I get this tingling in my jaw. It's kind of like that, that feeling you get just before you chuck one in a, in a fight, you know. And it's about trying to recognise what that is and that's where you need Control to identify it. that's when you need your gap. Yeah. And it's about, you know, I park these, these guys in front of the class and I'll say, look, I'm the architect and I'm driving you. You've just given me, I'll give them a scenario, $100,000 uh, job, but you're asking me to do all this extra work. I'm pissed. My boss is on my back. I'm going to grill you about it and you're, you're going to tell me what you think. And I don't tell them the outcome I want. I just want them to feel the feeling that they're going to feel. And I go hard. Like it's, it's a case of sitting them down. I'll berate them. I'll call them names. You know, there's probably a whole bunch of lawsuits I could get into because of it. But what it does do is it prepares those blokes when they go out and become a consultant. When they're in the grind, even as men they or, or women, they, they understand what it's like and what that feeling is is the precursor to trying to find some space. You know, I use a term which Brene Brown uses in one of her wonderful presentations on, on TED and she, she says, you know, you, you need to just be present and it's sometimes you just need to say, you know, I need to reschedule this meeting's not not productive. And as much as the context of that sounds really a, really unfitting to a contractor, in my line of work now, as, as a consultant, I've actually used that line a few times because sometimes when I find that gap, I need an escape. And it's not about the six or seven people in the room that are baying for blood. It's about me and my preservation, and that's okay. Mm. And that's the position where you need to get to in your, in your self-awareness journey. You know? I think it's an important tool that anyone can use, just the ability to – we all – we're testosterone-driven tradies, and yeah. we're all sitting there with, you know – you got your balls on the line with the business. You got the missus at home. You know, family commitments. You've got all sorts of things happening. But Waiting the ability to get paid, to, yeah, no money in the bank. The ability yeah. to stop and think. Who, and wouldn't this be, is, who wouldn't be cranky, right? Correct. But this is world class advice. And then you know what? It's you're right. It's not changing the culture. So if you hit your, your thumb on the the building site, I know it's a lot different to if you hit your thumb in, in a legal office. But <laughs> it should be sometimes not. But they're the ones you hear about in the yeah. paper. Yeah. But when it comes to conflict and stuff, like they've got to avoid it because drama costs money, doesn't it? It does. It does. And, yeah, it, it does cost money. And, and when you make things over complex with emotion, if you stick to fact and keep emotion on the side, you tend to resolve things a lot quicker. And that's the thing about taking that breath, the gap, rather than that initial response, that knee-jerk reaction, again, go away and say, okay, what's going to be best for me long term? 
is it best to really go off and fly off the handle and have a go at this person or take a breath and, and sort of collaborate, work through a scenario, a solution that will benefit you long term? And I like the, even the situation, what you mentioned there, if you do get something, a bit of a document that you're not happy with, actually call the consultant, meet with the consultant too. It's up to that trade. You also to, to be educated to know. Just say, listen, hey, hey, Mick, I've got no idea what you're talking about there. Can we have a coffee? Rather than you, know, you, the consultant, actually driving that conversation, it should be the tradie, I believe, in terms of taking that ownership. And you're 100% right. Yeah, the business owner. responsibility. You mentioned it, it? Like before when we were talking. That responsibility is It's the responsibility of the business owner. Yeah. You Matt, need to know this. This is, this is the game that you are playing, and it's a big game. Yep. But, Matt, one thing you teach, and we talk about it often with uh, you know, members of my team, uh, we share friends that we know about. It's not just the ability to take ownership. Matt has a saying, you know, you know if they want to get better, they need to actually get educated. And I love that, he said, because some guys don't read the document. There's a lot of guys out there, mate, I was a document skimmer, you know? And I started out my, my journey in law school, ended up a cleaner. And you could imagine, there's no good no good going to law school being a document skimmer, is it? You know, oh, mate, I didn't read the brief, but I read the post-it note, you know what I mean? So, guilty. It's crazy. Is, it, is the next one called The Rise and Rise? Or? Yeah, that's my waistline, but we... Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's my pamphlet on my waistline. But we, we need to get back to we can still be tradies. We can sell heaps of fun. We love our footy and our, you know, people magazine and all the things that are stereotypical with tradies. But you know what we need to fall in love with? Just being a smart tradie. And that's what this show's all about. And that's why great guests like you who you haven't been, you know, making stupid decisions. You've just made decisions at the time you thought were great. Looking back with your education, you can see where if you took the other fork or you didn't make the emotional decisions, and that's the lesson. That's what I love. I think to grab to grab what you just said there about the decisions, it just it twigged something, it threw something in my brain that my father once said to me. And he said, uh, I, I asked him if I'd made a mistake once. I can't remember what it was about because I was a young fella. And, and he said to me, Mick, there's one thing about life, and, and the listeners may object to this either way, but it's about the decision that you make at the time, you'll never have that instance again and and you'll never be in physically in that situation again so retrospectively you might have made made a different decision yeah but the decision that you made is 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 always going to be the right decision you know if you're acting from integrity and you're acting from what you know at the time it's the right decision and that at the time you know gave me a sense of inner peace and i and and i kind of reflect on that a little bit as well because there are times when i've sort of failed on things or, or done different things and could, oh, could have been different or I lament on it or, you know, you kind of really convict yourself and, and that can be really damaging. So for, for the listeners out there that have, great that, have, that have made errors, you know, it's well and good to reflect and say but don't condemn yourself because of it and don't think of yourself as a failure because of it because I stand here knowing at a 24.95 TER and not being on any on a board for being... I'm glad you said it. It was the elephant in the room. You know, yeah, it was... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't stand in the way. Like, just because other people think you want to be something, you, you can't be something, doesn't mean that you can't. It just means that you've just got it somehow, somehow push them out of the way yeah. and get, get what you want. You know? And my old man consequently gave me advice. I think our tradies and listeners love, and it's true. And he said to my brother, who's a plumber, I'm a cleaner. He said, boys, there's two things will get you in trouble. I'm a lawyer and you don't have to be a lawyer. And I said to him, I don't want to do law school. He said, good, find what you love, but be careful where you put your dick in your signature because both will get you in massive trouble. <laughs> and it's a true story, right? True story, that true one. True story. And, and, and you know what? To the word, I've seen plenty of mates get in trouble with the first one and lots of mates get in trouble with the second one, including myself. That's the signature part. It's fantastic. And moving on from that, thanks, Bush. Just wrapping up, Mick, I suppose we just sort of – alluded to their best piece of advice but from a young tradie going forward and understanding 
the landscape that business owners are facing now, especially information age, litigation age, the cost of doing business is ever increasing. What would be your best piece of advice from, let's just say, um, I've been an apprentice for four years, I'm ready to start my own business. What's that little pearl of wisdom you'd provide someone starting up? I think be self-aware. I, I think that's the, the biggest piece of advice, I think, for any anything starting a venture. You, you, you do it from the right motivation. You don't do it to escape. You don't do it to change the situation you're in for the better if there's a lot of pressure in your current situation. You make better what you have and, and yeah, you, you take a level of self-knowing into everything that you do and do the work. You've got to do the work. Nothing, you know, every opportunity that I've ever had has required me to either retrain, get another certificate, do something to, to push me further towards it. No one will just be able to sit there. You're not going to get that phone call that says, mate, I'm going to pay you 180000 to come do this for me. Those phone calls are few and far between. Don't wait for them. Yeah. Go out and go out and grab them, and and make steps now to build your future. It's very easy to to put the blinkers on and just look at what's in front of you. Look at that that one and a half year contract that you just got and think you're sweet. You know, when that one and a half year contract a- ends, then oh, gee, now I've got to hit the market. Now I've got to get out. Now I've got to do this and build. You should be constantly building. Whether it's reading on the way to a job. You know, it's, it's critical for mine. You know, the amount of time domestic and commercial plumbers spend on the road, that's not dead time. That's, we don't need that pressure, but it is time that you can use better. So yeah. it's, about, it's about building, I think, Listen building blocks. That's yeah. great advice. Yeah, yeah. the podcast, that's right, yeah. <clears throat> and it really comes back to improving yourself. It's about taking Absolutely. responsibility for yourself. Yeah. And if you want a great business, then you as a leader need to be great. Yeah. You need to improve. And yeah. I think one of the things you're sort of alluding to there as well is that don't look for the easy option. If it's easy, it's not going to last. True. And we're talking about the long game where as a business owner, it's not about three years, it's not about five years. We're talking about the investment you're making today, you'll get the rewards in 10, 15, 20 yeah. years. Yep. And if you're willing to play that long game and to invest in that, then the world is your oyster. It's, again, it's going to be lasting and it will have a positive impact on family. Finishing up, Bush, any last words? Yeah, I just want to say, mate, for a school captain with a TER of 24.95 to uh, get to the lowest of lows, drive to the middle of that cricket pitch, lie in the back of your car where you felt like you wanted to kill yourself, then use really good friends, meet your man Chris, have an amazing wife and kids to claw you back to where you are today. It's amazing. And it's so inspirational to our plumbers and our listeners. And I just want to thank you for sharing your story on the Power Up Your Business podcast uh, with Matty Jones and myself. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, and really appreciate the honesty and love the journey, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will definitely relate to that. So thank you very much. You've been listening to the Power Up Your Business podcast with our host, Matt Jones. Thanks so much to our guest, Mick Slatter. If you're looking for contracts admin assistance, don't forget to contact us at www.cubeperformance.com.au and get a copy of the Power Up Your Trading Business book. Keep fighting, tradies. It's a tough world out there. 